righty. Welcome back to another episode of Ohioverse presented by Deep Dive Sports. It's Greg and myself, as always. This is a pretty big week here within uh, Ohio State football, guys. So we're going to dive right into it. Um, we got the Penn State game coming up tomorrow as we record this. Um, I'll do my best to do some quick editing and put it out on Friday before the game. Um, but just some quick um, topics before we get into the Penn State talk there. Uh, Greg, you know, we've had, what, six games now um, in the season. What's your thought on this team's development over those first six games? I think it's it's progressively gotten better for sure. Um, the first, I'd say, three games were definitely finding the footing uh, as best they could and trying to find out uh, if, you know, Kyle was going to be the guy, uh, where the receivers were going to, you know, kind of play, uh, how the defense was going to stack up, um, you know, and the like I said, the first, first three games, it seems like, you know, they, the cobwebs or something like that, it, it wasn't sure, but these last three games they've definitely stepped up and uh, everybody seems to know their role now uh, and it, it it looks pretty good uh, moving forward yeah I mean I think uh, I think this defense is completely different than what we've gotten or what we've seen I think that's probably the biggest takeaway that I've gotten from the beginning of the season I think uh, Kyle McCord has developed nicely I still think he has a lot of room to grow Um Marvin Harrison is what Marvin Harrison is. He's going to be playing on Sundays next year, so I don't really worry about him that much. But, you know, development-wise, I think this team has definitely grown. You know, we had a challenging game against Notre Dame that they were able to um, to eke that one out. I think we've had games where they've struggled in the first half and then were able to turn it on in the second. But this will be a pretty big test coming up. Um, I think this run game might look a little bit different than what we would have wanted this year. It's been kind of banged up. The offensive line hasn't been able to get the push that they wanted, but hopefully get some guys back healthy this week and it looks a little bit different. But that's the only thing that that's worried me this year is just the run game hasn't been there. But I think they're, like I said, injury, new offensive line. There's a lot of things that you can kind of explain about it, but they got to start stepping up at some point. So um, obviously – just some injuries have kind of developed over the past few weeks. You have, you know, Abuka, um, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams. Oh man, the Denzel Burke. Um, so pretty big names within, you know, that team guys who contribute a lot. You know, what is your viewpoint on this impact for you know this Penn this Penn State game, and then kind of down the stretch if if these are lingering injuries, Greg. Well, I mean, obviously, you're not having your your top tier, uh, you know, players starting. Uh, at least Marvin Harrison's out there, so I mean, he definitely is shouldering a lot of that load uh, through the air. I think through that Purdue game, he had 105 yards and a score. Um, but it was really impressive. Is that what is that fourth string or third string, Dallin Hayden? Um, I think he's fourth. fourth. So, yeah, your fourth <laughs> string running back rushed for 76 yards and a touchdown. I mean, in his biggest role to date. Uh, so, uh, you know, moving forward to uh, the uh, Penn State game, um, you know, plan on seeing him in a, a, a larger role. 
Um, but just the fact that at, even at that fourth string depth, they have guys that can can, can contribute and uh, produce uh, is, I don't want to necessarily say reassuring, but it, it, it seems like it's a, um, a nice to be able to have that. And when all these uh, injuries uh, come back, um, you could really have threats on uh, at different depths. So uh, that that's nice to see. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think uh, I think running back wise, we're definitely deeper than most teams. I I do really like Dalvin Hayden as a runner. I think he's probably one of the most explosive runners that we have on the team. You know, obviously when Travion Henderson is healthy, he's pretty explosive, but his his health has really been a concern the past couple of years. But Dalvin Hayden's been a guy that's been able to come in and give you really good minutes um, in that fourth spot. And maybe he's a guy they have to turn to this weekend and down the stretch as well too. But I'm not too worried about it if he has to be the one taking the reps because he showed us that he can handle that. Wide receiver wise, you'd love to have Emeka Abuka there. I think um, he showed us that even when Marvin Harrison is being doubled and they're not letting him get, you know, open as much, Emeka Abuka can be that number one guy for the team. He can be the guy they turn to. Um, I think, especially down the stretch with the Notre Dame game, he was really key in that last final drive where we drove down the field and scored a touchdown. So not having him, I think, is probably going to be the most impactful, but there's five-star guys in that room. You hope that they um, can step up and Cade Stover this year at the tight end position. I don't think we've had a tight end who's been as productive as he has. And I just don't know if, if he's just better than other tight ends we've had, or if Kyle McCord is just really good at utilizing his tight ends. I'm not quite sure, but in the past game, he has been super effective um, and kind of really made up for some of the double teams on Marvin Harrison or some of those injuries as well, too. So I know we'll have to see. Um, Last little thing here. I don't know, Greg, if you did you see that the Big Ten kind of rearranged their um, home and aways for Big Ten teams through like 2027, 2028? Yeah, I was able to look that up. Uh, a lot of coming up. Uh, so, I mean, it, West Coast itinerary looks like Oregon in 2024, Washington in 25, USC in 26, and then Oregon again in 2027, and UCLA in 2028. So that's our our West Coast uh, jaunts uh, over the next few years. Yeah. The thing I will say, too, is like it, I feel like it kind of sucked with this going into the new Big Ten that we're going to have, and we don't really play any of the new teams next year you know what I mean I think that was one of the things where I was like I hope they would add at least one you know what I mean on the schedule um and then the other thing was that they went around and asked everybody if they wanted to um if they wanted to keep any like specific rivalries and stuff like that but uh Penn State didn't want to keep us as a rival so I think, uh, yeah, 2025 will be the last time that we consistently play Penn State. After that, you know, we don't play them every single year. We only play them, we don't play them again until 2028. Yeah. So, which was kind of disappointing to me. I think Penn State didn't want to play us anymore, (laughs) which is, I mean, listen, we've been kind of 
the games have been competitive, but we have been winning a lot of heartbreakers over the past 10 years. So it, it kind of makes sense in that standpoint, but it just kind of sucks because that's always a really fun game to watch. Um, I know our one protected game was Michigan, so we'll obviously get to keep playing Michigan every single year. But I don't know. I just kind of feel like we don't really get to play that many quality opponents every single year. Um, I know our non-conference schedule, like we get to play Texas uh the next couple years or sorry 2025 and 2026 so that's pretty cool but i don't know next year's schedule is kind of meh like other than michigan we don't really play anybody i guess penn state but other than that we don't really play anybody of consequence so i don't know it's definitely interesting how the big 10 decided to do it i feel like they kept all their bell cows with easier schedules if that makes sense so that they could have more big 10 members in that 12 team playoff. I don't know what's your viewpoint on that, Greg. I mean, yeah, that's the point of uh, of having these, you know, bigger conference and everything else like that that you got to play more so the schedules are going to be a little bit um, more uh, what's the word I want to use uh diluted. Yeah. I guess is the best word I can use on that. Um you, you want to play more, you want to see more different teams. I don't want to see the same schedule every year so that's, you know, it gives you a little bit of, of a change. Um, and then it brings up those games that are going to be those big games every other year or so mm-hmm. to have a little bit more anticipation. I mean, they're still going to be playing them. You know, I think over the next five years, OSU will play five opponents three times each, which includes Illinois, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, Oregon, Penn State, Purdue, and Rutgers. Um, and then eight opponents twice. Um, Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, Michigan State, UCLA, USC, Washington, and Wisconsin. So it gives us a, a broader schedule uh, of teams to play, um, different places for you know OSU to travel to. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not mad about it. Like, you know, when you see the same schedule over and over, year after year, you know, you don't it's nothing. Oh, that, okay, that's going to be neat. you know, you never know where some of these other teams that we think are easy now could be ranked uh highly touted opponents in three or four years yeah i mean that's fair um you know that that was just kind of looked at that and i was like it it just felt like you know after 2025 once we go to 2026 it just kind of felt like that conference schedule was very much i don't know i mean i guess we probably do play two well-known opponents every single year so i guess that's probably fair that's pretty good um my only other question with that is, you know, we don't have conferences anymore within the Big Ten. It's very much just the 18 teams and you play who you play. And then whoever has the best record at the end plays for the Big Ten championship. Now, you know, what do we do? You know, what do you think that they do in an event where we end up with like three, you know, heaven, for, heaven forbid, like four teams that come down to the end where they have this a similar record or maybe they're undefeated? You know what I mean? How I don't know. What, what do you think? our viewpoint as fans should be from that? And how do you think they should handle that as a conference? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how other conferences handle that. Um, so, I mean, it might come down to having to uh, do a playoff if, if this continues to happen. Um, I don't see the likelihood of, of having four teams yeah. having similar records at the end. It just statistically, it just doesn't seem like that's possible, but I mean, in the future, you know, they, they had to have sat down and, and 
whiteboarded this and been like, well, what are we going to yeah. do if this happens? So there's there's probably a plan in place when it comes down to it, but the statistical likelihood of that probably minimal to the point where they just didn't put anything in place. Yeah. To to incorporate that. Like I said, it looks it looks like everybody gets two like quality opponents on their schedule every single year. So hopefully from that you're kind of weeding people out. You know what I mean? You're not and the only way I could see that happening is if you just if kind of three or four teams sit there and they kind of just beat each other and then now you have like a couple one loss teams and then what do you do in that? You know what I mean? I'm sure like you said, there's something written down or whatever. So um but yeah, I don't know. I don't think we've ever seen something like this before because I don't think we've seen a conference that has like six teams that could make the college football playoff every single year in this 12-year format. You know what I mean? So you're kind of in that weird situation now that you look at it and you're like, okay, what does this mean coming down? And then you have a lot of teams that are kind of on the rise within the Big Ten as well too. So I don't know it'll be interesting going forward. So um, but let's talk about the matchup of the week. I think out of all the games that are happening this week, I think this is probably the one that everyone's going to have eyes on is Ohio state versus Penn state. Listen, you have a lot of, a lot of like crazy things that are weird coincidences in this game. So you have Kyle McCord, who is a, um, a Pennsylvania guy who's going and play, who's going to play Penn state. You have the Penn state quarterback who is an Ohio guy who's going to play Ohio state. You know, you have Penn State who pretty much said publicly that they don't want to play Ohio State every year anymore. Um, and whatever you want to take that, whatever that means. Um, obviously, for us, we want to win this game because we want to go to another playoff. And Penn State wants to win this game because they want to stop losing to us year after year after year. So, you know, Greg, just first, how do you think this game is going to go? And then, you know, how do you view all these crazy little coincidences and stuff within this game? I mean, coincidences, you could (laughs) coincidences out of anything, Uh, you know, that to me is just, you know, it is what it is. People play for, you know, people pick teams, people get, it just, uh, you know, uh, I think that's hooey, whatever, you know, Um, as far as the game goes, I think it'll be interesting um, I don't think this is going to be as tough as the Notre Dame game, um, but I think it's going to be definitely four quarter battle um, that this game always has been, always will be. Um, it just seems like it's always been a tough game, and and sometimes we come out with a win, sometimes we come out with a loss on that. So um, it'd be really interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think that Ohio State's going to win by at least. Two possessions, you know, maybe a ten point ten point win is is kind of my my thought on that. Um, again, but as far as the coins, if anything, it's going to galvanize the the players to you know, I want to beat you know McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr. went to high school in Philadelphia and and maybe they're just like you know oh you didn't draft me so guess what offer whatever. I think they got offered. I think they chose Ohio State. <laughs> so, I mean, Kyle McCord, I think he he came out and said that Penn State was his number two choice. <laughs> so, if that doesn't rub some salt in the wounds, um, you know, I like, I, I know it's like they're all goofy and stuff like that. And it, I don't think it really adds much value to, um, to what's going on. It's just something fun. You know, I think, uh, 
I think to have a Pennsylvania and Ohio State guy go against each other who are playing for the opposite team of the state that they were born in is a is is a fun storyline. It should be cool to see, you know, how each of them view this matchup and how each of them come into this. As far as the game, like it, it's always been close. Like Greg said, you know, I think I read somewhere that the average score since they started playing each other was like 29 to 23. I think Ohio state being in favor. Um, but up until I want to say like the early two thousands, it was, it was like a 50, 50 game on whether or not either team would win. I think it was like 13 and 13. And then, you know, Ohio state just has gone on this crazy run where Penn state's only really won one out of the last like 15 matches or something like that. So it's just, uh, it's definitely, and like I said, that we've won those games, but they have not been blowouts. They've been closest. You've needed like heroic games from people like the JT Barrett fourth quarter game. Like you've needed heroic um, fourth quarter comebacks or plays or whatever it may be to win this game. So I fully anticipate this game being super close, super competitive, um, super hard fought. Like, I don't know. I don't know if 10 is going to be the number that we're at. I would like to win by 10. I think that would be a really big statement, but you know, I see this being like maybe 35, 28, you know, maybe even closer than that. We win by like a field goal. Um, I don't know. I, I do think we win this game. I think we come out on top, but you can't sleep on this Penn state team. They have, three guys right now that are projected to go in the first round of the draft. I think we have like two or three as well too. So you're talking about two teams that have a ton of NFL talent that are going to be playing on Sundays in, in the next couple of years. And you just have a, a ton of dudes in general. So, and James Franklin is not, I don't know if he's the same quality coaches as, as Ryan day, but I don't think he's that far off either. So it'll definitely be interesting to see this coaching battle that we have. But I think what'll set us apart from them is, is that I think our offense is going to be able to move the ball against their defense. I don't know if their offense is going to be able to move the ball as much against our defense. I think our defense is so much improved. Their offense is just not really shown much explosion this year. So, I mean, now they could come out and be super explosive against our defense, which would suck. But <laughs> um, I do think that that'll be something that will be the tipping point. So do you have any other opinions on this this game that's coming up, Greg? I think what's uh, interesting to me is just the injuries um, and who's going to be available to play. Um, so, you know, if we get some some players back in um, that can, uh, you know, contribute a lot at a higher level than, you know, but if we're still running the fourth string uh, running backs and stuff like that, it's just going to be a little bit tougher. So interesting indeed you know let us know what you guys think at home about this um this game so i don't know i i hope that uh when we meet next we'll be talking about a win but hey it's football anything can happen these are all guys who strive to play at the next level and and when you're talking about a a team in penn state versus ohio state like i said it's a lot of dudes that are gonna be playing on sunday and these guys are serious and they are ready to compete so it should be a fun game Let's talk about a team that uh, hasn't had much success this year. I think they started pretty strong, <laughs> um, but yeah, just 
just not much. I, I know that I think we had talked about them at the beginning of the season and, and what they would look like without Luke Fickle. You know, when you look at Luke Fickle at Wisconsin, they're not looking much better either. So it's definitely interesting, but I, I think a lot of it has to go with, you know, Luke Fickle had an NFL dude at quarterback and Desmond Ritter and Desmond Ritter has been really solid in the NFL this year. And I think Cincinnati's main problem is, you know, Emory Jones just is not a good quality quarterback. You look at 11 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He's only throwing 61% completion. Um, Yeah. He has 1300 yards passing, but that's through six games is not a lot run game wise. I don't think they're doing awful. They have a couple guys, one guy who's over 400, a guy who's close to 400, you know, they're averaging probably right around like four and a half yards per carry as a team. So, I mean, I, I don't know. They're, they just seem very average right now. Um, and I think that there's not getting the quarterback play that they really need this season, um, especially in the big 12. So they're sitting at two and four right now, which is, I don't know, just kind of, not where I thought they would be, but maybe where I thought they would be. <laughs> so what's your opinion on this team so far, Greg? I mean, you pretty much said it all. Eight interceptions from Emory Jones. I think two pair or a pair of interceptions against uh, Iowa State. They were only put up 10 points and 214 total yards um, against Iowa State. And it just shows you that when they played, what, was it Eastern Kentucky in that first game? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and the difference between playing a team like Eastern Kentucky, which is just a low, low, low level team to playing, I want to say, uh, you know, somewhat of a mid-level team in Iowa State. And, you know, they can't even put up the number like that. Well, so I mean, they they lost in OT to Miami of Ohio. Now, I'm, I don't want to like crap on Miami of Ohio, but like that's not that should you're a big 12 team. You were in the, the playoff you know, a couple of years ago, like you, even though you changed head coaches, you shouldn't be losing to Miami of Ohio. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it's definitely very, um, it's a little concerning. You know what I mean? I think like you said, Eastern Kentucky, 66 to 13, that game should probably look like that. Pittsburgh, you win that game 27 to one, 27 to 21. Okay. Cool. It seems like you're rolling. Pittsburgh's not a great program, but they're not awful. They're definitely better than Miami of Ohio. And then you lose to a Miami of Ohio. Ah, you lose to Oklahoma. Okay, that seems like a game you probably should lose. You lose to BYU. Okay. And then you lose to Iowa State, like you said, that bad. So I don't know. And I their schedule doesn't get any easier. Baylor, Oklahoma State, like that's going to be probably two losses right there. You got to play UCF. That might be a win. Houston's not awful. West Virginia and Kansas, that those might be two wins. So maybe you finish out the year four and two and, and you, you know, feel a little bit better about yourself at six and six, but I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. Not, not looking. To- and I mean, hopefully the, you know, recruiting classes that come in and stuff like that can, can change things. Um, obviously we've seen, you know, a spike in their ability over the last couple of years, the departure of Luke fickle, um, you know, that could obviously affect recruits and stuff like that. Um, but you know, at least we had them in the playoffs, 
you know, a few years back and, and something that you know, UC should be proud of and, and going forward. So yeah, six and six is respectable. I don't know. I think I said it when he moved to Wisconsin. I, I think I said that Cincinnati would regret not having him. And I think Luke Fickle is going to regret not staying in Cincinnati. I think when you look at these guys who take these programs that haven't really had much success and they're able to build a successful program and then they move to another program, whether that's because of the status of the program or the money that they could bring in, I just think they lose their momentum. You know what I mean? I I, I forget the guy's name uh, that was at Western Michigan and he ended up... Um, Oh man, it's gonna bug me so much. I feel like it's like frost or something like that. But he put together; they went undefeated, like almost two seasons in a row. They went to two bowl games for the first time ever. Like you're talking about a program that really has been bottom dwellers, and he turned that around. And then where I think he went to Minnesota, and they really haven't done much at Minnesota. And I think I'm hoping Luke Fickle that is not where he falls in the category at Wisconsin, but. It just kind of feels like you were building something there. You had the recruiting connections within the Midwest where you were stealing players from bigger schools like Notre Dame, like Penn State, like Michigan, because it was Luke Fickle and because that's the area that he's from and from Ohio State. You know what I mean? So I think he was winning those recruiting battles against those teams. And, you know, you hope that he can go to Wisconsin and do the same thing, but Again, I think everything is about relevance. And and you look at Cincinnati being in the playoff a couple of years ago, and then you look at them having dudes in the NFL, whether that's Sauce Gardner, whether that's Desmond Ritter. Um, you know, I think that they have a lot of good quality players that are now playing in the NFL from that from that team. And again, relevance is everything. And I, I just I don't know. It just sucks. I feel like they were on an upward trajectory. And you know how I get when I Love an opportunity to see an Ohio versus Ohio battle. <laughs> so it would have been really cool to see kind of Cincinnati build their program up to maybe where they were on the same level as like a, a Penn State or a Notre Dame and, and they could play Ohio State and it would be a competitive game and you could, you know, start a rivalry there. Um, kind of like how we've gotten with the crew and FC Cincinnati, but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they'll still do that. Maybe they won't, but I don't know. I mean, to comment on the Luke Fickle thing, you know, it, it, it's still just very early in his tenure at Wisconsin. And you you and I know as well as anybody else that it's it takes at least two to three, maybe even four years of full recruiting from a particular coach to get their full style of recruits that they want in to play. And so give Luke Fickle some time when it comes to Wisconsin to fully change his recruiting classes into what he wants and is not dealing with other previous coaches recruiting classes. So, I mean, I agree. I mean, I'll give him, you know, three years till I think, I think three years is, is a good amount of time that he can get two recruiting classes in there. Um, and by the time a lot of those guys are, you know, juniors or sophomores and, and that should really help him out. But again, he had already had what he wanted at Cincinnati. So I don't know. I, I'm just going to keep drowning on it because I wanted him to stay there. But <laughs> um, all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NFL. Real quick, we're going to talk about the Bengals and the Browns. Um, Bengals, three and three. I think 
a lot of people were worried about Joe Burrow and, and his injury and whether or not he could really come back and make a difference. You know, this team has dug themselves out of a little bit of a hole that they were in. You know, they're sitting at three and three right now. Do you think, Greg, that they can continue to dig themselves out of this hole and make a playoff push? Or do you think that maybe they'll continue to meddle around this 500 look for the rest of the season? Well, I mean, previous seasons, they've started out slow and sloppy and moved uh, better as the season progressed. I mean, Joe Burrow has shown that. And uh, it really comes down to, I think, um, they've got a definitely, I don't want to say a tough schedule, but um, week eight, 49ers, I see that as a loss. Um, Week nine against the Bills, I see that as a loss. Week 10 against the Texans, um, I see that as a win. I see a loss in week 11 to the Ravens. Uh, I know you don't want to hear this, but a uh, win against the Steelers in week 12. Wait, is it, where, where is it at, though? Um, I believe at home. Oh, okay, yeah, they'll probably win that one. I was going to say, if it's in Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin's a wizard, bro. I don't know. He he finds a way to win those games in Pittsburgh. <laughs> he, he definitely does. Um, week 13 at the Jaguars, I, I'm going to count that as a win. But I'm not 100. percent Just That's the way, be a tough game. That's yeah. the way the Jaguars are playing is is very interesting. Week 14, a win against the Colts. Week 15, a win against the Vikings. Uh, week 16, uh, another win against uh, the Steelers at Steelers at Pittsburgh. Um, that's a loss. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, it's gonna be it's gonna be like a three point loss. It'd be gut wrenching. I don't know. Mike Tomlin has a spell on everybody. <laughs> so week seventeen, they're gonna lose to the Chiefs, and I got uh, week eighteen uh, win uh, against the Browns. So with that being said, um, if that they... sounds that sounds a lot like five hundred almost for the rest of the season. Like, well, if if they um, just lose to the 49ers, Bills, Ravens, and Chiefs, so four more losses. Uh, they have a 61% chance to make the playoffs. Um, yeah. 6% chance to wild card, 39% out. So if they lose any of those games to the Steelers, Jaguars, uh, Browns, um, anything like that, then even one loss, one extra loss in that um, moves them down to 19% chance to make the playoffs and 81% chance be out. So, um, I mean, they can afford four more losses. Um, they do five losses. In the, um, well, yeah, because, I mean, four four puts them at seven losses. That's only 10 wins. You know what I mean? That's really, in, yeah. in, in the AFC, like, I think 10 has to be the minimum if you want to try to make a playoff spot. The only thing that I will say is I think this division is going to beat up on each other. You know what I mean? So I think when it comes down to the end, I think 10 wins – might 10 or 11 wins might be enough to win the division, but you got to win it. You know what I mean? Like if you only have 10 wins, you got to win the division to guarantee yourself a playoff spot. That's not going to guarantee you a wild card spot. So yeah, I mean, they have a tough, I think they probably have one of the toughest schedules in the NFL left. So that's rough. I mean, I, I listen, I'm a Joe Burrow guy. I'm not a big Cincinnati Bengals fan. I'm actually not a Cincinnati Bengals fan at all. <laughs> I dislike them with a passion, but you know, as an Ohio guy, and as I really do like Joe Burrow. So, you know, I, I hope they can dig themselves out of it. I, I think uh, they have the quality team to do it. But 
they got to play some juggernauts. Um, and I think Jacksonville is going to be a loss. Jacksonville is looking pretty solid as a team. Um, and I think that they're a little bit more complete than what Cincinnati is. So you really have to look at that and be like, okay, that's five losses. You got to win every other single game uh, to end up being like nine and eight. And I just don't know if that's that's enough. You know, I think that they just started too slow. They needed to win those games at the beginning of the season that they lost. So. Yeah, I mean, it obviously shows you that that injury has hampered Burrowsman, mm-hmm. how effective he's been. So really, when it comes down to it, you know, that, that calf strain derailed his season um, as shown in those first few losses. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Browns. These guys are riddled with injuries. Um, Deshaun Watson is kind of being a dirtbag and, and not playing. I don't know if he's actually hurt or not, but it doesn't sound like the coaching staff thinks he's hurt, but he thinks he's hurt. So I don't know. I still don't like him, so I'm going to call him a dirtbag. But with their practice squad quarterback, <laughs> they somehow squeaked out a win against the 49ers. You know, first, Greg, what do you – make of this win um and you know what does this mean for this team going forward i mean they they should not have won the game when it comes down to it it, it came down to a missed 40 uh 41 yard uh field goal yeah um, that would have won the game for um it was a sloppy game on both sides um just shows you that their defense is still somewhat legit. Um, if they're able to keep them in games against, you know, uh, a definitely high-powered offense and Brock Purdy, you know, George Kittle's been amazing. Um, you know, everybody on that team, Debo Samuels, it, it, from start to finish uh, on paper, even their their second and third tier guys are are quality guys. So it just shows you that a defense such as uh, what Cleveland has is legit. Uh, unfortunately, they don't have an offense to, um, you know, to to counter uh, with. And like I said it was it was a sloppy win for them. Shouldn't have won it, and 49ers should have won. Um, I am maybe like slightly a little salty because they did have win that game. So <laughs> yeah, when when I saw it, it was set up for a field goal, I was like, oh great, close enough. That's gonna that's gonna do it, and then. Unfortunately, um, you know, a little, little, little wide left, I believe, or wide right. Wide right, yeah. yeah, yeah. That it, it, this game, and of course, I, I, you know, you, I watch it. It's over, and I get the text from Dom. Oh, I can't believe we won the game, <laughs> and he's like, "Brock Party can't handle adversity," and I'm like, "Bro, all right." <laughs> I get that you're excited. Cool, awesome. Good. You know what? Good gritty win. It was a gross game, like Greg said, but you won. I, I like. I can't. I don't think anybody believes that you won the game, but you won the game. It keeps you relevant within the division, and it it shows how good this defense is. I we had this conversation. I, I don't know what a couple weeks ago, not a couple weeks ago, but a couple episodes ago about how good this Browns defense was and if it was the best in the league I think this solidifies that this defense is the best in the league I don't think there's a better defense because when you can embarrass an offense like the 49ers now I know that Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel left the game at some point with injuries but you still were holding them to only 10 points in the first half 
And this is an offense that just embarrasses people. So when you're able to do that to them, I think that that solidifies you as being the best defense in the league at this point. And I just think that they were able to make plays at the right time. I I think, you know, Browns fans will be like, oh, we didn't get any calls. But when you specifically look at that final drive that the Browns had where they drove down the field and they were able to put points on the board that put them in the lead, there were two penalty calls against them. There was like a pass interference call that wasn't pass interference. And then I think there was like a holding call that clearly wasn't a holding call, but they called it anyway. Um, That, put them in that position to kick the field goal to take the lead. Um, And then, like Greg said, you know, they miss the field goal at the end, the 49ers do. And and, and, in the comment that Brock Purdy isn't clutch, you know, kind of irked me a little bit because I was like, well, he he two-minute drill, drove the ball down the field, put his field goal kicker in position to win the game. All he had to do was kick it through the uprights. I mean, that's all he had to do. And I know kicking's hard. It's not easy. I'm not interested in in trying to prove that I could do it. <laughs> so, but I don't know. They definitely got away with one, but it's a good win. I mean, you beat a team that not many other teams are going to beat this year. And uh, I think the 49ers have a lot to learn from that. Um, so, yeah. Any other final thoughts on this, Greg? I mean, it definitely when it shows you what Sam Fran was able to do against uh, a defense like um, – like Dallas and then yeah. turn around into it. So it just shows you kind of the, the, you know, the defense for um, the Browns is, is legit defense. And we were happy for it, but anybody that gives any shade to Brock Erty, I mean, this kid has talk about adversity. He can't play through adversity. He was Mr. Irrelevant. He was the third in string quarterback <laughs> when it came down to it and took them to the an NFC championship game. I mean, and barring his injury, you know, uh, and that, what is it, in the fourth quarter? It was like first quarter. He didn't even get first to play quarter. the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you have no concept of like that, that. Anybody who gives that type of shade to Brock Purdy, you know, Ooh. drawn and quartered, it's just not, uh, it's not legit. He, the, the dude's a beast and he amazes everybody constantly with his precision uh his poise in the pocket it, yeah Dom's, no i Dom's an I, idiot. <laughs> listen i i try to tell him and listen i i don't think i think brock purdy has a lot of development to go left but i think that's what's scary is um is i think he could be a guy that that really just outworks and outthinks everybody and and you know the last time we saw that i'm not trying to make comparisons to tom brady but you know, I don't think Brock Purdy has the immense arm talent that some of the other guys have, but I think he has that winning mentality and he has the ability to be intelligent on the field. And I think that's a lot of the same qualities that Tom Brady was able to possess um, that really propelled him and he was able to propel the people around him. Now, obviously, Brock Purdy is benefiting because he has some of the best weapons um, imaginable, but... I think as time goes on, we'll see him continue to develop his IQ and continue to develop, you know, the way that he's able to make guys around him better. Um, and if he takes a similar route money-wise that Tom Brady did, where he's like, hey, I'll take a little bit of less um, so you could put more around me, 
I think that team is going to be very successful going forward, and they're going to win some championships with Brock Purdy as their quarterback. Um, and I don't, I don't think people want to see it. I don't think people believe that it'll happen, but he's going to at least get one in his career. And I think it'll be more than one. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes down. So, but let's go ahead and end this with our, uh, MLS talk guys. I think the playoffs start in seven days. Um, if they have not started already, they're doing like the wild card round. It's like single, um, elimination. And then we go into the first round, it's best of three. And then after that, it is single elimination as well. And if you're a huge Ohio, Ohio sports fan, guys, we have two teams in the playoffs. We have the Columbus crew and we have FC Cincinnati. Um, you know, first thoughts on the season for the Columbus crew here, Greg, you know, we ended up fourth in the Eastern conference, we had uh, 15 wins, nine losses, nine ties. Our uh, goal differential was 20, so we had 65 goals uh, scored and 45 goals scored against us. We were just immaculate at home, 11-1-4. On the road is where we really struggled as a team. Um, so just your thoughts on this season as a whole, Greg. I mean, I don't want to say disappointing. I'm not a crew fan when it comes, um, but it's it's the ties that nine ties. Uh, it, it just comes down to being able to execute and finish, um, you know, finish those games. And, you know, four of those ties at home, uh, five ties on the road. Uh, I, I would have liked to see better executioners in the match, um, but fourth isn't horrible. Um, we'll see where the, the the seating goes and then go from there. Um, I expect us to do fare a little bit better when it comes down to the. Okay. I don't know if I'd use the word disappointed only because I think we, like I thought that we really wouldn't be here at this point. We have a new coach. Um, you know, they traded away, or I guess I don't want to say sold because it sounds bad, but that's kind of what happens in soccer. They, they sold Zellery on, um, so like, I just kind of felt like they thought of this season as like, not a rebuilding, but a retooling year, new coach trying to get his style in like, in we're fourth, you know, we're in the playoffs We're we're competitive. You know, I know we have a lot of ties, um, and maybe a couple too many losses, you know, I, I agree. I think that you would like to see them be able to close out games better, um, going into the playoffs, but we're here, you know, we made it in my mind. Like I said, I didn't really think that we would be in this position, but I think it's just on the backs, you know, of like Cucho who has been playing phenomenal. Um, Zellerion while he was here really was helping us out. So I, I don't know, like I'm, I'm not disappointed. I am. I do. I am critical. I do think like, I agree. I think too many ties, but but I, I don't know. I mean, I, you kind of look at everybody else, though, within the division and, you know, Cincinnati, eight ties, Orlando, nine ties, Philly, 10 ties, um, New England, Atlanta, Nashville, all double digit ties. You know what I mean? Those guys are all in the playoffs. So still get a point <laughs> from that. But I, I do agree. I think you got to be able to close games out better because there are no ties in the playoffs. You either win or you lose. Um, and if you can't close them out, then then you're going to go home. So, but 
what do you I know you're not super high on the crew, but what are your predictions for this playoff run? You know, do you think that they have a chance to um to make a push for a championship or do you think this is more or less, hey, like let's go out here, compete, do as well as we can and build off of it for next year? I mean, exactly. You couldn't have said it any better. I think it's go out and compete. Um, stranger things have happened, you know, in, in, in their previous playoff runs. Um, some of it was unexpected. So, I mean, I, I just think that there are some better teams uh, out there in MLS right now um, as a whole, um, as you said, being able to finish games off and stuff like that. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, definitely be paying attention. Uh you know, moving forward, but, uh, you know, to, to rear, you know, disappointing is one thing, like, I, I guess, you know, you want your hometown team to be, you know, run the table and stuff like that. So um, that that's more of, of the, the fact that I guess I'm disappointed in the fact that they didn't put themselves in a better position to um, make the run to through the playoffs a little, you know, that's where I'll stay with that. Yeah. Easier is better. <laughs> um. I, I don't know. I'm I'm torn. I, I feel like they've been hot lately. Um, and I want to say that they could carry that momentum over. But again, I'm going to be very even keeled on this season because, like I said, I, I didn't think that we'd be in the position that we're in. So I'm going to go off of, hey, let's go out there. Let's just compete. Like, be competitive. Don't get blown out. Don't get embarrassed. Be competitive. If you win, and you keep winning, and you find yourself holding the trophy at the end, flipping awesome. You know what I mean? Like, that would be freaking cool. But at least compete. At least make the games fun to watch. I think that's really where I'm at with this. And build off of it. Go into next year and really come out and be a dominant team um, and 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 really play at the level of that that you can as as an organization. So um I think the MVP shortlist people that were nominated came out and you know Kucho was on that list. I know I had you know the question that has been up for a couple of weeks but you know knowing that Kucho is on that list um for MVP for players that have been nominated for MVP when you look at him, you know he has uh 15 goals on the season. His pass rate's about 72%. Uh, he has about 11 assists. Um, I will say he has 152 shot attempts. <laughs> so that is like a ton of shot attempts. I think that's looks like the most out of the guys at the top of the league. I think it is the most. Um, but he does have 55 shots on target, which again, I think is the most in the league. So a guy that's definitely been super active in trying to score goals, you know, where, where do you think that he falls? Do you think that he's a good candidate for MVP or, you know, do you think that he needs to put together a a better season? I mean, again, not to reiterate what I just said, but you couldn't have said it any better. Shots, uh, um, you know, versus the, what is that? 151 attempts. So that's, 33% 33% at least target rate um, when it comes down to it. Yeah. He definitely is a, a contender. To me, it, uh, true MVP is is what it takes for uh, an individual to do what he can 
to to best uh, put the team in a position to win and obviously taking all those attempts and be, you know connect on on percentage of it better than you know all, almost anybody else in the MLS um is a big argument um and unfortunately sometimes you know MVPs tend to go to just a fan favorites necessarily you know what i mean more public individuals and cucho is not necessarily you know world famous when it comes down to it so um be interesting definitely deserving um with those stats that you you read out so we'll we'll definitely see when it comes down to it it's interesting and he's well deserved yeah yeah i think um you know i'll kind of skip ahead a little bit to you know our next topic about since our fc cincinnati but you know their their guy from their team, Lucas Acosta. Uh, he was nominated for MVP as well this season. When you look at his stats, it's um, it's a little a little bit different. You know he has 16 goals on the season compared to Cucho's 15. Um, he does have a 74% pass uh, passer rating compared to Cucho's 72%. And then you look at 11 assists for Acosta versus, or sorry, 13 assists for Acosta compared to Cucho's 11. And then Acosta took 80 shots on goal and he had 39 of them on target. So I think, you know, we talked about what a third of who chose shots on tar or goal shots on goal were on target. And it really looks like Lucas Acosta's half of his, <laughs> you know, shots were on target. So it definitely a little bit different of, of stats there. I, I think they're very similar, but you know, I'm interested to see you, where you think Lucas Acosta is compared to Cucho and, and maybe if he's more deserving or not. I, I don't think he's more deserving. Cause even if you're, your shots on target rate, it's, you know, what is that old adage? They only miss the shots you don't take. And obviously sorry, taking enough shots and the assists uh, are still not to me um, comparable. So you're still not at least placing the ball in um, places where y- your teammates can, can make scores. Um, so when it comes down to it, it, it's not, even though those per certain percentages might be a little higher, it, it still doesn't show me that, that he's contributing and putting himself and his teammates in positions. To, um, even though FC Cincinnati's done phenomenal, um, and they've, you know, had c- contributions from multiple people on, on the team, um, to put them in the place they're in, they're in obviously, I would, uh, I would say that it doesn't necessarily match up yeah i mean listen these are two guys who have had phenomenal seasons so i think you'd like to see the goal total be a little bit more for both of these guys but at the end of the day like these are two of the best players within the mls um i think their team records show it you know i think cucho needs a little bit more help on columbus lucas acosta has a has a lot of dudes on on cincinnati that's why they're the number one team in the eastern conference and we'll kind of talk about them in a minute but you know i think uh i I think they're both good candidates you know i know that messi was um given a bid but i don't really think he deserves it because he only played like four games but it's messy and you know how it goes. <laughs> so, but let's talk about FC Cincinnati to close this out. Um, when you look at their record, they ended up with 20 wins, five losses, eight ties. Um, they had they scored 55 goals and had 37 goals scored against them. So they definitely had a, a better defense than what um, 
Columbus had, but they scored less goals than what Columbus scored. So their goal differential is about two less at 18. At home, again, just like Columbus, they were phenomenal, uh, probably a lot better. They were 13-2-1. And and then away, they were 7-3-7. and So definitely... It seems like playing away is, is a lot harder than what it looks like <laughs> in the MLS, but uh, they are top of the Eastern Conference, and they seem to be the standard for the Eastern Conference right now when it comes to the playoffs. So for you, Greg, what is your thoughts on this season? I mean, it's been a great season for them. We've talked about them pretty much since the beginning of the season of how well they've performed. Um, and as I stated previously, they are more consistent as as a team as a whole they have more contributors and i just think they play with a little bit more of an urgency and you know it could be better coach could be a lot of different things but if i just feel as a as a whole team um, they have a, a better um squad when it comes down to it and i think fc cincinnati has a a massive chance to uh, take home that chair i've thought that all season um, comparative to all the other teams in the MLS, it should, they are are the most well-rounded team. Yeah, I agree. Well-rounded is is probably the the best description, and and they have like I said, they have a lot of dudes. So this is probably the team to beat. Um, I don't think they've been the chased before, so that'll definitely be a different mindset. But I think they can handle it. They have a lot of good players. Um, real quick, my predictions for their playoff run. I think that you have to predict they win the championship. I think this is too good of a team for them not to try to compete for a championship this year. Um, obviously things happen, but I think that you almost have to predict that they make it all the way and then they compete to win a championship this year. What's your opinion, Greg? Completely agree. 100%. In the best position, Tom, they have the best pieces to win. You know, look for them to be hoist in that trophy when it comes time. All right. Um, Do we have time to do the double take segment real quick? All right. We'll go into that. Um, I'll let you start it off, Greg. So when it comes to the big uh, four sports, um, where do you kind of rank Dallas, San Francisco, Washington, Baltimore, you know, Denver, Houston, um, when it comes down to the the number of wins and, and are they championship cities? Hold on one second. Say those again. I'm going to write them down. Dallas. All right. So we got Dallas, San Francisco, Washington, Baltimore, Denver, Houston. You know, those are, those are championship cities, right? In Houston. Houston. Um, hmm. Dallas. I mean, Dallas of old. I can't think of the last Dallas team that won a championship. San Fran. They got the Warriors, so you got them there. They got the 49ers, obviously historical pass for the 49ers. The Giants, not a big like baseball knowledge guy, but I think that they've had some success in their, their franchise history. Washington, on the past, like other than baseball and, and maybe one hockey championship, I I can't remember the last time they really won football or basketball. Baltimore, I'll give Baltimore maybe football, yeah. and Houston, the Astros, Texans aren't very. You know, you had you you've had some. I I would say, I would say you would expect them to have a more rich. I would say their past championship 
winning ability, yes. But as of like recent, it's been very sparse. That's my answer. So did you know that Cleveland has more titles in the big four sports than Dallas, San Francisco, Washington, Baltimore, Denver, and so enough with this woe is Cleveland nonsense. Oh, man. <laughs> I got two things. I only had one. Um, and then the other thing popped up the other day. But my first thing real quick. Um, Greg, how excited are you that flag football is going to be a part of the Olympics in 2028? Yay. <laughs> Yay. Woo. Also, um, squash, lacrosse. Lacrosse is probably one that could be, should be. Cricket? I don't yeah, know why lacrosse. cricket. Chris, cricket it probably had been. And then yeah. you know how they did. They removed some, uh, you know, years back just because yeah. they. Because baseball and softball are back. So that's yeah. cool. Um, I think baseball should be pretty competitive throughout the world, in my yeah. mind. Yeah, um, baseball classic is was huge this year uh, yeah that I, I, uh draw that they've ever had in the world baseball classic um television wise so that that's you know yeah listen this this is all i want okay i want other countries to start scrambling because they're just going to start using soccer players for football okay and i just want i just so badly want one of these soccer players to be playing quarterback and drop back and just throw a ball and just sauce gardener just one hand intercepts it like it's nothing and i just want to see like these guys have to deal with Jamar Chase and and Justin Jefferson. I just think it's going to be so fun. Like, Patrick Mahomes is going out there dicking around. Like, dude, we could put LeBron on the team, and I still think we would win by 40 against anybody. Like, I don't think there's anybody that's going to compete. I don't know. I'm very hyped about this. That's not going to happen at all. LeBron on the team? No. Winning by 40? 100%. No, there, there's not going to be NFL stars on a flag football Team. They've they've already said they want to play, Greg. I I just mark my words. It is not going to happen. Who 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 are we going to get? Kappa Kappa Alpha Epsilon from Texas A and M University. Probably, you know. No, you know, no. It's going to be some collegiate flag football, semi professional. Oh. It's not going to happen. You are delusional if you think that that's going to happen, dude. Listen, listen to me. I guess it is twenty twenty eight, so that's going to be a little far out, but, bro. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun. But my main thing, um, did you about the Michigan sign stealing scandal? Um, maybe. I thought any, pretty much anything that comes up with the team up north, I just don't pay attention to. So that's, Listen, that's kind of my philosophy. I just this is, th- this shit it is going deep, Greg. All right. They hired this guy who was like a Navy. He's from the Navy. And his job was like, recon for the navy so they hired him to be a part of their staff to be in quotations um a like like a military like liaison or guy that would help people um i can't think of the right word but um integrate into the you know university and team as as service members um but apparently this guy was just going around videotaping every other team that they were going to play in a year and stealing all their signs. <laughs> His name's like Connor Sargent or something, like something crazy. I don't know. It's so funny. I, this Jim Hart, not Jim Hart. Was it Jim Harbaugh? I don't even care what his name is. Khaki shorts. Yeah. He's a joke. 
or you know, the, whatever. It's Michigan. I mean, yeah, it's so funny. I, I'm like, well, in it, you you kind of go back and you're like, even if you like, I don't know, if you're into conspiracy theories, but you go back to like last year, like think about like the Michigan game last year where like we came out in the second half and it just felt like they knew what we were calling and they just had a, an answer for everything. Like think about if they had our signs, Greg. So how how deep does this conspiracy go? Is there an investigation as to? Yeah, the NCAA they they said they said it goes back to 2021 that they've been stealing team signs that they've played. Dang. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, listen, it's it's the NCAA. I mean, Jim Harbaugh just served a three game suspension because he said he would do it because the NCAA was like, hey, would you just do it, please? So like, they don't really have any power. So like. Do in the end, like, is it really going to come to anything? No, but I don't know. I think it just is interesting, and they have a bunch of cheaters, and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to use my one F word of the episode that we get, so I don't have to make it explicit. But oh, Michigan, we actually is that. So if we say it twice, then it's considered explicit. Because. Mm. It's kind of how it works in the movies, so I'm just assuming that's how it works for podcasts. I think I like mouth bleeped myself earlier, so I don't know if that counts. You got to save the one F word, Greg. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll pay attention to that next time. You know, kids do listen to this. Yes, yes. I'm sorry, F F Michigan, not not fuck Michigan. So, whoa, um, that was two. <laughs> there we go. We got to put an E on this episode, man. I'll just edit. The, I'll just edit the other one out. No, no, it's, can't do that. <laughs> it's got to be real. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure the next time we meet, we'll we'll have more information about this this stupid Michigan sign stealing scandal. Uh, can't just get out of their own way, but whatever. We'll talk about it more probably in the next episode as we get more information about it. But uh, as always, Greg, thank you so much for being on another one of these episodes. I always have so much fun. Um, thank you guys for everybody listening at home. If you have anything you want us to talk about or um, any criticism, if you want to say, hey, you're doing a great job, just leave a comment. Uh, it'd be nice to know uh, how you think we're doing. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening uh, to another episode of Ohioverse presented by Deep Dive Sports, and we'll catch you on the next one. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Ohioverse. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show and sporting news in Ohio, Go ahead and follow Ohioverse Podcast DDS on Instagram. Also, don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you. And catch you on the next one.